Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWR.com, MWC Wire on Twitter, where we like to screw around and have fun. Like we always say, Matt, I'm Jeremy here, hanging out week 10 in the books. And what I'll start off with, Matt, I think one team has a fish. Well, another team has been officially eliminated from post, not postseason, but division title hopes. But it's okay. The Rebels are getting there. They're getting close, but they're not quite there yet. But good weekend. I, was getting, most teams. I thought you were I thought you were referring to that Reddit post about somebody who did the math and uh it figured out at least before week ten, Hawaii was still technically alive as well. Oh, my my post that I put up, I forgot to hit publish Friday. I did post on Saturday because I had a draft. Did not include that because yeah, I went off Bill C's SP plus and FPI, and they both said zero percent, so they were not included. Included, but uh... okay. Well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, take <laughs> take somebody's sort of Reddit back the napkin math for uh, with a, with maybe a healthy grain of salt. I just thought it was sort of funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, funny. I was, are you, it's one of those things you see it, and it's like, huh, interesting. I guess technically, because they would have been one and three, and Fresno could have been three and five. You know what I mean? Teams could have four losses. So, yeah. But no, Hawaii's out. I was referring to Rebels, who we'll get to that game, which was people, Matt, Matt, everybody, plus our buddy in Fresno, things I hate, not you, you, the other guy who's, oh, what's the Daniel in Fresno? It's like, you're an offensive guy. I'm like, yeah, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed San Diego State UNLV game for the most part because low scoring, lot of stuff going on. But I thoroughly uh, enjoyed games. the entire weekend, like high well, drama just, all the way around. No, there definitely was. But I remember watching that game. I'm like, sack, sack. Oh, interception. You and I'll be, you and I'll be so close. We'll get to it. Also, Matt, as I messaged you on Facebook Saturday about probably 1230 Pacific time, take the under always in the Academy games. 13 to 7 Air Force beats Army. In a, one, of the, uh, one of these days I will learn. <laughs> what? The Felicity splits on do it. They're always like, take the under no matter what. And that's the thing too. So 13 to 7. This game was uh, played – the best thing about this game, not a lot of scoring, but I do like how they decorated the outfield. Is that the right term, decorated or staged with the tanks, Air Force, and uh, fighter jets and whatever else of uh, military equipment they had out there now for the – was it glow, not globe by field, but whatever the Ranger Stadium's called these days? That was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was all right. 
just all right. Come on, man. What what are you? Come on. I mean, I mean, it would have been. I I and I'm, I have to acknowledge. I think it would have been cooler if it had played played either at the academy or at Mitchie Stadium out there in West Point. Oh, you're not wrong, but they did. They they spruced up the best they could. It's like let's yeah. go to this backyard place and like oh we'll put some toys here and toys there and it'll look great. But it's not your typical amazing place to play a game. So uh, where do we start here? Do we start with Air Force's rushing defense? Do we start with uh, Brad Roberts having a huge game? Some decent I passing. Mean, where I, do you want to begin I this game? Think... Red zone issues, fumbles. <laughs> what? <laughs> Given that the under was sort of like the uh, the overwhelming narrative that emerged from the game, I do think you do have to start by talking about how both of these defenses played. Um, because Air Force didn't really have it easy either. You know, neither team cracked five yards per play. Um, and, and I put it out there on Twitter, like, especially when the Falcons were sort of scuffling in the first half. You know, we, we talked about it on the preview podcast that Army didn't, come into the to the game with very good run defense and the Falcons had a hard time getting things going in the first half and and while like the numbers don't necessarily like blow you away or anything like that um you know army held air force to you know 226 yards on the ground only 4.3 yards per carry um yeah and I think they had five TFLs as the team Andre Carter who we talked about a little bit in the on the preview podcast, he had two TFLs in the game. It was not a necessarily a crisp offensive performance for the Falcons. You know, Hazik Daniels threw an interception. Um, you know, they didn't lose any fumbles this time to their credit, but it was just, it. neither team really had much success getting anything going. But it's to the Falcons' credit that their defense stepped up and made you know, slightly more big plays when they needed to when the chips were down. Um, you know, Definitely. Uh, Michael Mack had a big tackle for a loss. So did Trey Taylor. He had a big sack, I think, in that game. Uh, you know, T. Blackman stepped up big time. And then when the chips were down and they needed a big play and down the stretch, Canby Goff gave it to him with the interception, the interception just to, the game, to put it yeah. away. So yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest offensive performance, but the, you know the defense did more than enough to help pick up that slack. And sometimes, you know, we talk about it every so often on this podcast. Good teams find different ways to win when they need to, and and they weren't the only team this weekend to be able to do that. But in this instance, you really do have to give credit to the Falcons and uh, and Brian Nor's unit. Yeah, they're well, looking at the rushing attack. Outside of the quarterback where the army played multiple quarterbacks, which was funny. And Aaron Taylor's comment, like, well, we got to figure out who's in there. Cause they keep switching guys up and around. Yeah. But like the running game was of their running backs. Let me make sure I get this number here. I'm trying to pick one last guy. Oh, yes. I, I, John, or I want John, I believe Marshall got a couple of carries, but their running backs only carried the ball 11 times and had 27 yards. They were not good running the ball. They just they tried to let um, Jamel Jones beat them. He didn't throw the ball very well. He only ran for 37 yards. He did have that one, t- the only touchdown they had in that second period. But and obviously the late pick where they were down and had to move the ball because anytime Army throws the ball literally like more than seven times, they're a problem. Because I do like how they, on the broadcast, because I think um, Army has a deal with CBS, correct? I know Mountain West obviously does. Yeah, Army has their games over there. So these guys, yeah. these TDs, broadcast crews are familiar with them. And I do like, because Aaron Taylor does a ton of free to the other guys name a ton of these Mountain West games. I oh, do yeah. also like how they mention, mention where Air Force doesn't run the triple option. So I always try to correct myself. It's a run option attack, not a triple option. It's more mm-hmm. in line with almost like what Coastal Carolina does, but less throwing. But Army's a legit... Triple option, fullback dive, despite the Falcons bringing the fullback dive back a little bit. But also, John Lee Eldridge only had one carry, which was not ideal. But yeah, for the he, year, got, he got banged up, though. I know sure. at a certain point. Correct. I just, I, this just doesn't help when he, yeah, regardless of one carry for whatever reason, which was the injury situation. With Army, prior to the amount of throws he had in this game for um, Jones, he had 15 coming into this game. He had a, basically through as many passes as he had all year in this one game. Yeah, 14. this was his, I mean, believe this was only his third career start, I believe. This was Army's yeah. third string quarterback when the season began. And yeah, they've been flipping it, around a lot. Of, yeah. And and that's not to say that, 
you know, they they didn't have flashes where it looked like they might be able to gain the upper hand. Like, you know, Jones only completed four passes in this game. But I remember there was one drive in the first half where I think it was, I I can't remember if it was Army's touchdown drive or not, but they completed, you know, back-to-back big plays to, uh, to uh to Isaiah Alston and uh Marshall. I think his name. A. John Marshall, yeah. A. John Marshall. Um you know, so they you know that was like two plays of fifty five yards and mm-hmm. it seemed like they really caught the Falcons napping and you thought, uh oh. Yeah. But but then when they needed to make plays on those money downs, you know, that's where Air Force ended up serving its advantage. You know, it, because Army was only four fourteen on third downs. And maybe just as importantly, only one of three on fourth downs as well. And only eight first downs all for the game, which was my 10, diff- 10 different, 18 8. And so they, you're right, money down, third down, they were not good. They couldn't move it. When it third in over like five or six, they had problems. Yeah. And conversely, you know, the Falcons didn't necessarily get a great performance out of their offense. Yeah. But that, but the duo of, of Hazeek Daniels and Brad Roberts did make it count when the chips were down. You know, in the third quarter, you know, those two combined for over 100 yards on the ground. You know, Daniels at 56, Roberts at 47. They didn't necessarily have a ton of big plays, but Roberts more or less put the game on his back in the second half. And, you know, like the the yards per carry number isn't going to like blow you away. Yeah, 135 yards took him 33 carries to do it, which... By the way, that's the second time this year he's at 33 carries. But when they needed him to just nickel and dime their way down the field, down the stretch, chew up clock, keep Army from from being able to mount mount a rally in the the fourth quarter, he got it done. He and Daniels got it done on the ground late in the game. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to count up how many carries he had, especially that long drive that only led to a field goal. He mm-hmm. had, I'm he had 10 carries overall. I'm trying to see how many carries real quick. This is great math. But that long 16 play drive they had was, it did eat too much clock, but it, it was, he had over half his carries. He had 20 second half carries, I believe, if my math is correct. So yeah, over, I believe so. Something like that. But that one drive where they didn't get the touchdown, which is unfortunate, it, it went end of third quarter. They got fourth and goal at the nine, kicked a short field goal. But that drive was, it, uh, Sorry, I thought six minutes, eight forty. My eyes are deceiving me here. But that drive was kind of basically gave the game because Army was punting, going four to six plays to drive. Like in that second half, yeah. it was. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, second half. Sorry, it punt. They got the first touchdown to go up. Then they forced a punt again, a field goal, then a couple trading punts, and that was it. And then the interception because that last drive, this game, despite the defense holding punts, it was still. Only a six point game. It was only a one last... score game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One score game. And Army is driving to get the ball deep in their territory. They get a couple runs. They get a pass. They get a couple plays here. But just that pass over the middle, they just couldn't get it done. They got the great interception there. And so it was a game where like they needed every bit of effort, offense, defense to get it done. And Air Force barely got it done. And they now get the Commander in Chief trophy, which did you know it's like a 170 pound trophy? Oh, yeah. It's huge. I knew it looked big. I didn't realize the heft of it. Yeah, and this I is mean, the first and, time they've had it in a while, too, which is nice for them to get it back in, in Colorado Springs. And obviously, you know, they, they haven't had the results that they wanted in conference play. You know, the three close. losses by, by one possession, essentially. Um, but, I mean, everybody at the Academy knows that, you know, getting that trip to the White House, getting this trophy back for the first time since 2016 – that might be a bigger deal than, than winning a Mountain West championship. I mean, you know, anybody out there, Jesse Kersing or, or Jay Arthur, whomever can correct me on that. But Has you know, this is this is what it's all about for this for this Falcons program. And so, you know, being able to reclaim this, being able to get over the hump against Army in particular, is a very big deal for this program. Yeah, they're ball eligible now, six and three. And doing the power I'm like, where do we put them? Because their conference slate has been so close. Like they're still. I would still put them up against Air Boise State, San Jose State, Fresno State, any of these teams. They were that close. They just their losses just happened to be fifteen total points in three games. And so I would stick them right there. If anybody, it's just the conference. They're unfortunately basically out of it for the division title. Yeah. There's still some hope, but it t- it'll take a bit to get there. So, but great victory for them. They get the CIC, and yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So next game. Matt, what would... Utah State 27, New Mexico 10. First off, the Lobos helmets, amazing. They went with the red helmets again. Cherry, excuse yes. me. Yes. Cherry, cherry. No, let me... People yell me cherry helmets. I apologize. Cherry red helmets. There you go. Amazing. Same like when my Houston Texans wore red helmets, even though they suck, and other reasons I don't really like them as much at the moment. But they look awesome. Would you go to... Football game, that type of weather. Did you see when they showed certain shots where it's basically sideways wind? It's like 40 degrees outside or sideways you rain. For, you say. forget. I was there at the season finale at Fresno State in 2016. With, what with game me was that? And, like, that was the San Jose State game at the very end of the year. Me and okay. uh, like two, me and like 200 of my closest friends. <laughs> um, in, in the rain, by the way. <laughs> well, was it warm rain or cold rain? That's, there's a big no, difference. No, it was cold. No, it was cold. Oh my God. What fifty degrees is that cold for in the Central Valley? It was colder than that, I can assure you. Okay, no. uh, it just looked miserable. I'm just saying. I'm like, no, it, thank you. It did, and and I think it showed in the offenses in particular. Did you do you realize that New Mexico out, actually outgained Utah State on a per play basis in this game? Not per play. I saw the running game do quite well with Noah Jones having a pretty good. Excuse me, Nathaniel Jones having a really good game. That 446 yards, that big long run. I, I looking at it now, yeah, it looks like they would, even despite the passing game not four, going well. Not by much, because yeah, New sure. Mexico only averaged four four yards per play. Utah State was at three point eight, <laughs> but the difference in this game was, you know, same as we just talked about with with Air Force. You know, good teams find a different way to win, and in Utah State's particular case, special teams and scoop and score defense as well. Yeah, at the end of the game. But I wanted to talk about the special teams first because we haven't really seen them. I mean, we haven't really seen Utah State roll the dice in that particular way quite as often as you might expect other teams in the Mountain West to. Like, obviously, Air Force, you know, if it's fourth and one, they're going to line up and try and go for it more often than not. Of course. But, but, you know, on the one hand, you know, they they rolled out, you know, Stephen Cottsonley, you know, after, I think it was, on a drive in the first half where they, I don't think they got any points out of it, but it was after the drive had already been extended by a personal foul, but they ran into another fourth down. They call a fake punt. Yeah. Constantly runs it 10 yards for a touch or for a first down extends the drive. Is that the missed field goal drive you're referring to? I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or no, no, that Calvin Tyler ran the ball. No, it wasn't that drive. Must have been a different one. I'm thinking of. And then, you know, later on, there was the fake field goal attempt where Connor Coles ran it in for a touchdown from mm-hmm. six yards big out. And, and that was a big deal because it came at a juncture where they were trailing in that game. Yeah, they were down well, 10 it, to yeah, 7. Because after the first drive, you know, the Aggies really struggled to get much going for, for the rest of the game, really. You know, they went two plays, 43 yards. You know, Cooper Lega had the touchdown, you know, to wide open. Um, wide was it really open. Was it not? No, Terrell Vaughn. Or Terrell Vaughn, excuse me. Yeah. But yeah, Cooper so, Lega came back and they much needed ha- having a back lineup. And I figured two plays, touchdown, they're going to blow away this game. But then they forced a punt or they get through. Because yeah, they, they were like defense three and outs. Yards yeah, I figured. Attempt. Yeah, forcing New Mexico first three drives, three and out. Okay, defense is there. Okay, they punt the second drive. Oh, go down for a field goal. They missed that one. And I'm not going to blame maybe they missed a field goal when it's a 41-yarder, which is even on its own for college kickers still mm, mm-hmm. iffy. But with this win and rain, it's like third and fourth and nine, it's like I wouldn't have begrudged. I would have been fine if they went for it, for, if they decided to go for it. But it's like, oh, we'll give it a try. Because the weather was bad. But the first half, if I recall, it wasn't as windy. If I, well, no, it, working. it got a little progressively worse. Yeah. Yeah. So like I can't blame them for that, but like, again, yeah, but I thought they, that they, but I thought that fake field goal was was so smooth and it and in a gutsy play call because not only because they were down, but because you know generally speaking, given the way that New Mexico has played on offense for the last month or so, not great. You know, other than a couple <laughs> of big runs by Jones, they they struggled just as much 
again, too. So it it would have been very easy, I think, for Blake Anderson to say, you know what? I'm going to, we're going to take the three points. We're going to take the short field goal. We're going to trust our defense to get it done and you know, hope that our offense can string together another drive like it did later on. But that's not what they did. I like the aggressiveness. It's in this weather. It's like, why not? Cause then they make that freaking 49er field goal later. I'm like, how the heck do they make that one? Jeez. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, so they, they get the lead. They don't relinquish it from there on. New Mexico really struggles to get anything going in the second half. And that's more or less your ball game right there. They had what, two drives that were over four yards in second half. Yeah. Not good. Not ideal. No, they got the, the fumble recovery clearly did it. Like it's hard to score points. Like Utah State did, I say settle, but like. Fourth and three to 10. I kind of thought they would have gone for it there. They're up 10 points. Or excuse me, I get, but I make sense. Go up 10. Why risk it and have a chance for them to tie? They kicked a short field goal. It was, yeah, special teams, like making them in that weather, wild. Defense came up big. Kubler got back despite him being fine. Like he wasn't even, it's weather's weird. Running game was just okay. Calvin Tyler got hurt for a minute in that game. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. his status is, but they brought in, um, Robert Briggs, who came in nicely with 82 yards and 19 carries, but Tyler wasn't doing much, but he left the game. And so Legal had to get some more, more designed or runs out there because of the weather couldn't throw the ball. But overall, it is a sloppy game, but Utah State's won by two, over two touchdowns. They got to the quarterback a little bit, a couple sacks. Sort of New Mexico's defense did pretty good too. Like, if you look at their defense holding Utah State to three field goals and one was a defensive score, their defense held up reasonably well overall. It's just that first really, drive. I mean, it really was a, a strong defensive effort from the Lobos that just yeah. got wasted. You know, yeah, they, it did. They, because yeah. they had they had four sacks. Well, Utah State had three. Mm-hmm. They also had eight TFLs overall. Utah State only had six. So they were getting in there. They were disrupting. And, and the secondary got into the action, too. Like, Jarek Reed had a really good game. You know, he had a mm-hmm. sack as well as two pass breakups. So it was just one of those games where it was more or less business as usual for New Mexico and not in a good way. Yeah, they, it's they, just the passing yeah. game just could not get anything going from from the start. Basically, you know, Justin Holiday seven of 18, 42 yeah. yards. Are we pining just, for the days of Are we pining for the days of Cole Gauchi to come back to throw some passes? The guy couldn't throw on third down. Jeez, it's miserable. I mean, at least that offense won games for a couple of years. Yeah, they did. That was when they. That was the offense. Like we'll go back in time, but those people I listen to split zone and Godfrey he's like, oh, that New Mexico body offense is trash. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was a great and fun, unique offense to watch. It was basically what Co- like I mentioned, Coastal Carolina again, what Jamie Chatwell is doing out there, like that type of running attack that's unique and a different option was very exciting. They beat Boise State in the blue turf. They tied for division title. They didn't get to go to the title game with a three-way tie, but that type of offense, it's do something weird and unique. And I, if they had a quarterback, like not that they'd be amazing, but – it would go a long way because they, they have a they decent have running a quarterback. game. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm saying if they had a, a, even an average or decent, okay quarterback, like if they're going to throw 18 times, give me like a, what Aztecs used to do, like Christian Chapman before that, like something that where they want you to throw 14 times, but run the ball. They have a decent running game. Like they have an okay receiver, like a couple of guys who can catch the ball, but they just don't have a passing offense. And it's hard to get a guy to want go to that, to go to that system. Like Luke Weissong's decent receiver, but that's another conversation for another day, but defense is there where it needs where it needs to be. It's really good. It's like we mentioned. There, are they still top? Do you have the latest SP plus? Are they still top fifty defensively? Are they kind of dropping? Uh, no, they haven't been top fifty for a while. Oh, maybe it's, it's um, they're they're at eighty fifth right now defensively and dead last on offense. Okay, my mistake. I was yeah. One funny thing. Okay. So, so you know how we talk about like their 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 spread is quite different for offense and defense as the San Diego mm-hmm. State. So I work with um, Scott Mitchell, who played for University of Utah, played NFL for like a dozen years, Lions, Bengals, yeah, Ravens, yeah. and stuff. He played in the era back. His team was literally number one offense, number whatever how many teams FBS at the year last in defense. They were hmm. losing games like they played an Air Force game. We talk about every now and then back in '88 where he threw like 600 yards and I think they had to score 60 points and barely squeaked out a victory. It's, it's wild. Like it's not that the Lobos are there, but like the spread, like get it closer together for some of these teams. It's like get a QB 
or find an offense like that's more successful passing. I don't know. It's tough, but Lobos are, there is improvement with the Lobos team. It's just the offense and passing. It's kind of where it's like, ugh. like give us a little bit. And they would be like maybe four and five this year instead of two and seven at the moment. Yeah, basically. Where, what's our next game, Matt? Where are we going? Are we going to the blue turf? Yeah, let's do it. BYU 31, Boise 28. The very slim margin we had hope for a New Year's Six game. Gone. Also, um, I don't like to complain about refs too often, but in this game, there are some bad calls on either side of the game. Either each team. Yeah. Touchdown. Yeah. I try, I try short, not to, I try not to overreact to refs because I, I realize that like every game is going to have missed calls. But you know, you noticed, but when you start noticing on Twitter, especially like fans right. of both teams griping about holding yeah. on nearly every single play that not that's not being called. And you watch the game and you watch it a little closer and you're like, huh, everybody's right. Yeah. Just, and it's it also what's just... what's annoying what's annoying too is I was watching what was it uh was, yeah, Petrus Papadakis on this game. Yeah, Petrus. I'm like, wait, what mm-hmm. was that FS2 game? So I've watched him have obviously our Mountain West games and some Utah games I'm watching. He's mentioned this last week too. And what uh, which one of our, is it Colin who does high school refereeing in Idaho? Is that correct? Or is it I, I believe it so. So he's mentioned stuff too, which I like in that touchdown where Puka Nakua, who lit up the Boise secondary, who's literally like he's so good that like he's 14, saw, like, 14 the... catches, 157 yards, and two scores, including the game winner. Yeah, and, yeah, and he he runs the ball too. But there's one I think uh, play that got called back right a big run if I recall, but mm-hmm. one rush for a yard. But so watch it like the guy took his eye off. But what Petrus was saying into the trend where because. Most of the calls you saw, there was nothing overturned or confirmed. It was always the call, the play, the call in the field of stance, which mm-hmm. means there's not enough to change your mind. So, because ha- <clears throat> so for example, on the the two calls I remember specifically, the game winning touchdown in the back corner, and there was like a a four uh was it a goal line for George Lani didn't get, in, or was it BYU? I forget who it was. No, no, no. Okay, was so the, the the first one was right before. To remember. The first one was with one second before halftime. The, the, the goal line, right? Yeah, with Lapini Katoa. Oh, Katoa, that's right. Correct. Yes. Yeah, third, third and goal, stuffed. You know, right at the and and depending on what camera angle you looked at, it kind of sort of looked like you know it looked like his wrist had crossed the goal line, but you could not yeah. tell exactly where the ball was. Yeah, and they and they and yeah. I think and I think that's why when they called that play, they ended up you know letting that play stand as it was down short of the goal line, just because you know with the camera angles that were available, you couldn't tell. Like on the on the main camera mm. from like the sideline, you know he yeah. he goes into that pile, you just you can't tell where he comes down with the yeah. one sort of from the back of the end zone angle that they had, really wasn't much better. They could have called either play either way. Like both those, yeah. I know both those plays were for BYU, but there's also a couple of Boise plays too. I think, a, but basically, had they called that a touchdown, would have stood. Had they called the Pukunukua incomplete, it would have stood also. It was well, but back to my point, Petros is saying like the officials are wanting to be bailed out by instant replay because I was mm-hmm. watching some games. They were waiting and waiting for the call. He's like, what's yeah, that? I'm trying to remember what play it was, but it was like, where's the call, guys? You got to make a call. It was. And it wasn't one where there's somewhere it's tough to call. Oh, goal line, let's run in there. Or the fumble, like going through the pile, kind of pull the guys out who has it, who has it. Then they point one way or the other or whatever. They seem to be waiting, and it's a bad trend for replay to bail them out. But replay can't bail you out if it's super close. And so they could have made a difference game because it would have been the blow because of that BYU touchdown would have counted. In the first half, game would have been a bigger difference. But overall, what we what we saw going on in the game itself, Jaron Hall looked better than he had in a while. They had to throw 40-something times, 42 times to win this game. And they couldn't touch Puka Nakua. Nobody could guard him. Um, Taylor Green did no, okay. Nobody could guard Hall for that matter either. Well, I'm just saying, Jaren yeah, Hall, Hall rushed. Like, the running game for BOE was a concern because I didn't think Lapina Katoa would have a huge game. Like last week when they played ECU, he had like a 100, 100 plus yards. He did fine. Mm-hmm. But Jaron Hall had four TDs. One of his best games of the year against these teams up in the blue turf are always weird they, or when they play each other. Like last year, Boise won in a rain soaked game when BOE was a top 10 team on the home and beat them mm-hmm. quite handily. But secondary couldn't do anything. They couldn't really get after the quarterback. Zero sacks, only one TFL. 
Like Ezekiel Noah didn't do anything. Skinner secondary didn't do anything. DJ Shram so, not much. So like, with that, so there great. are a couple cav- a couple caveats there because Dimitri Washington got banged up. I think on the very first play of the game, I'm just and, saying, and didn't didn't come back. And then Noah, who you just mentioned, also Bob's got banged well. up. Yeah. He did, yeah. And he came back. I believe he played one play and then didn't play the rest of the game, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean, you, you got to make a stop at some point. And so and that's where like, defense you know, that's did like at... interceptions, yeah. But they, oof. I guess I said mistake on Skinner. He did have a pick, so I apologize for that. But like, they, it was just a back and forth game. But it was just that really, literally that field goal in that third quarter. That's the difference. Three, three games right there. And you always feel good kicker, Jake Oldroyd. Nobody trusts him to do anything. We're surprised. Even though it was a 25 yard, I'm like, is he going to make it? Cause that's not always given with well, this guy. <laughs> and BYU was killing him with screens too. You know, they had yeah. the, the touchdown to Hinkley Rapati who, who uh, like literally I'm like, I work and cover BYU. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? I'm looking up the box score, like on his team page on CBS sports, no picture, no picture mm-hmm. of the dude. He's a four string running back because. BYU's down, like Chris Brooks is out. They um um Katoa is okay, but they don't the guys there's guys injured on this team. And it's like, all right, here's a play. And he had a solid game. Five for twenty eight, that long touchdown where nobody could tackle him. Like, what are you guys doing? Like that more than obviously yeah, what I mean, but that was like the back breaking play. Boise State got killed by big plays more often than they had since like the Oregon State game. Exactly. Like BYU racked up 12 big plays totaling nearly like 300 yards, you know, 294 if you want to be exact. And and th- those big plays by themselves were almost as much yardage as Boise State managed for the game, period. Yeah, third down wasn't great either. Also, 4 of 10 didn't help for Boise State either. Which is a shame because I thought that Taylor Green played a really good game. Yeah, I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, he no interception. He, like, he, he, didn't, he didn't make any... Yeah, he didn't make any big mistakes. Seventeen, there was seventeen of twenty-three, two hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns. Five. Like he, he didn't necessarily light up the stat sheet, but he, it wasn't like Boise wasn't moving the ball in this game. It was just you know one of those. I don't really know how to explain it, because you're. I mean, you're right. Going back to what you said earlier about how you know a handful of plays on replay could have gone much differently. But, you know, this was still an offense that strung together four long touchdown drives in this game. I think, you know, maybe one of the big differences is, you know, BYU had zero three and outs. And if Boise yep. had done a little bit more with some of their early drives in particular, you know, they had three three and outs in their first four drives, even while they were, you know, forcing turnovers early in that game. So, you know, they had opportunities and just, you know, couldn't do enough with everything that was given to them. And so, you know, I I would think for a number of reasons, they're probably going to be thinking for a long time about how this one got away. When the running, the interesting thing too, BYU's rush defense has been brutal this year. And George Lani and Gentry, or Gentry didn't do all that great. Ashton Gentry only had 17 yards. Lani was like under under four yards a carry. They were not, They I thought they would be able to run the ball way better than they did, especially what we've seen Boise do in the past couple weeks. And they were held. They couldn't get it done. I mean, they did. They did play without Garrett Curran on the offensive line, but I don't know how much you know missing one offensive lineman should make that much of a difference against this BYU defense. Yeah, it wasn't great, but like, they still got twenty eight points. But man, it was they spread the ball around a lot of guys. It was just like BYU's made more plays. That's all it came down to. Like Katoa, he is. Two two things. He him be, or not Katoa? Excuse me, Pukunukua. That him. Nobody can guard touch him. And then also like um let me just see here. Um um sorry, there's that. My I was trying to think of two different things. Him catch the ball, then no pressure on Jaron Hall. They mm-hmm. did not get only one sack, three TFLs. Technically, if this is accurate, zero QB hurries. And he hasn't been extremely healthy the past little while. Back to the Utah State game, he got banged up. Notre Dame gaming clear, clearly wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Coach Kalani Sataki said heading in I think it was into the ECU game or or, or post Liberty, like he wasn't fully healthy there. Mentioned something with one of his, with his throwing shoulder, and he came out and seemed to be finally ready to go, and just made more plays. Like penalty wise, was that much difference? The officials. Here's the thing: it could have gone either way. It could have been either. It would have been exact same thing. Either that first touchdown count in the first half, and the one at the end didn't. But the one at the end, of the corner in the Cato where he's dragged his toe, they had more chances. They still could have got got another pass or done something else. 
Yeah. And it could have been way worse. So like, had they flipped them? Okay. The score, it scored have been 31 28 going into that drive because they scored right at the half. So I wouldn't really have changed too much of the scoring. Obviously, the final score, like, you know, wouldn't change too much for game flow when that would have ended the half and they get a touchdown and they are up 14 7 instead of 7 7. It wouldn't have changed all that much, but those are two plays that kind of offset each other. And I felt that was a touchdown, and it's hard to tell. But for them clawing the field, getting the toes in, it seemed fine. But overall, there's it's more than just those couple of plays. Rush defense wasn't there. Rush offense, excuse me. Um, rush defense did well, obviously, because would be what you can run. But secondary couldn't cover, no pressure. It was, yeah, they scored 28 points, but Boise's just they didn't make enough plays. Is all it comes out to. They, you're right. They couldn't make stops. They couldn't stop the passing game, and that was a problem. Tough break. Anything else to add about this game? Or are we good to move on? Speaking of tough breaks. Oh, San Diego State 14. UNLV 10. This was, I like this game a lot because there's a lot of, ooh, ooh, is this going to happen? Ooh, look at that. So much defense, so much pressure. It was great to watch. Like San Diego State, oh, excuse me. I'll start with UNLV, excuse me. 11 TFLs, six sacks. Is it going to be, is Jalen Dixon going to be defensive player of the week? You think that's a legit possibility? Four and a half TFLs, two sacks? Can anybody else touch him this week? I think he's got a pretty convincing argument. I will say that. He had an amazing game. And it is also, shoot, Adam Plant Jr., three TFLs, two sacks. They were getting after Maiden all day, who was uncomfortable, who didn't run the ball very well, was reasonably efficient 19 to 31 couple of TDs had to pick as well but this also ruined Doug Brumfield's return who had two picks were they both red zone picks I believe is that correct yes they were Ugh, that's what I thought I was watching I watched part of the game I was doing stuff so I watched like I have YouTube TV so I watched a quick they have like 40 highlights I'm going back and watching that again to kind of see more than even the extended highlights they usually have but I'm like from watching that again this morning like I was right there's a lot of defensive plays but Brumfield so close. They kind of wasted a great running attack from Aiden Robbins in this game. Uh, oh, man. I I like UNLV, and this game was just, again, oh, we're close. They're driving. They're going to get this, and then nothing. Like the first half, no points, interception, not till that long. Aztec drive, that 10-play, 60-something yarder, where they got that, um, that long pass. Like Jesse Matthews, like that touchdown pass, like he – Basically stops is like whoop, flips around, literally stopped on a dime, slipped a defender. You know, stopped on the, to, you know, I mean, so he stopped on the index card. The, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then he st- yeah, then what he do? He like he took a couple steps toward the sideline, shook another defender, touchdown. kept his foot in bounds somehow, and and scored yeah. a touchdown off of that. Get him the ball more often. He is such a great player, and also I love he wears number forty five. That's also cool too. That that's a but, very San Diego State thing. That's totally that. Yeah. This game was like, he makes that type of play defensive efficiencies. There's missed field goals or fumbles. Cause it, also UNLV had they have five total turnovers this game or is it four? They had a couple fumbles. Yeah. Four, two fumbles, no, two interceptions. Yeah. Two, two fumbles, which led no points. Both interceptions led to no points, but just stalled drives out. So this could have been a lot worse. Because oh, yeah. UNLV defense, this defense, I know Aztecs offense isn't amazing. The running game hasn't been all that great this year. Not typical standard living up to them. And it wasn't like Armstrong, Jalen Armstrong only had 72 yards. No big plays. They ran a bunch of guys out there, held them under 100 total yards, including sack yardage, obviously. There was the, also they get the ball in the muff punt. They don't score as well, where Browning can't get the kickoff. Like UNLV, they should have won this game, I think. With the amount of yeah, miss they had, kick, kick a couple of field, kick. They didn't because the interception wasn't one. Of the, uh, I'm trying to remember the order. It wasn't the interception right after the fumble or after the Browning uh, screw up on the punt. I don't remember I, exactly. I'm trying to remember, but I, was, I do know but... for. I believe that San Diego State. This is the second time this year that they've won a game with a post game win expectancy below fifty percent. No, I apologize. They got a field sorry, they got a field goal on that one. So UNLV did score on the field goal when they got the ball at the four and twenty at the uh problem is they got the ball at the fourteen yard line, went three yards and kicked a field goal. But Rebel, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, continue to thought about win expectancy. I saw that tweet by Bill C about the uh, percentage wise. Yeah. I mean, granted it wasn't that far below. 
but uh, in this game, they had a postseason win expectancy of 47.6%, which, oddly enough, was the exact same as it was last week against Fresno State. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, the, you know, their reversal of fortunes there. They lost last week by four, won this week by four. And, you know, you do have to give credit to the S6 defense because you know, we talked about on the last preview of, you know, they haven't played at the same level. Can they do it? Especially if, if UNLV gets some of its pieces back. So you, you mentioned Brumfield coming back. That was obviously the biggest return to the starting lineup, but you know, Robbins was banged up too. He was back. Kyle Williams was back. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Aztecs just, they, they made plays same as we, same as they were for yeah. most of last year and at certain points this year. You know, Michael Shawcroft, 11 tackles, one and a half TFLs. Dallas Branch had a sack and an interception. Yeah. Desjean Malone had an interception. So, like, it, it was a group effort in the same way that it was last year. And, and also, while, Aztecs missed two field goals as well and still won the game. Like, there's issues on both sides. Yeah. Well, neither of those attempts were gimmies either. Browning had a, sure. a, attempts from uh, 48 and 50 yards. Yeah. And and even while the running game didn't necessarily like light up the stat sheet, you know, Jalen Armstead did get it done late. You know, we just talked about it with Brad yeah. Roberts doing the same thing for Air Force against Army. You know, only 72 yards, but in the fourth quarter in particular, he had big runs of 17, 11, and 14 yards. So Not like when... Yeah, and a couple of you know big third down conversions as well. So yeah, they had they four total him, third down. <laughs> they had only four third downs all game. So yeah, and he also had a things. he also had a fourth down conversion late in the third quarter as well. So when they needed him to gain yards down the stretch, he answered he the bell. And and Maiden like his his numbers don't necessarily like like they aren't overwhelmingly great, but other than the interception, I thought he played a pretty good game as well. I thought for the most part, yeah. like he, he gave as good as he got in this game. And, his fourth, and he absorbed a lot of punishment from the UNLV front. Oh yeah. He got, remember six sacks, a couple hurts. Yeah. And he's only played quarterback so, outside of high school, a couple games this year. That's it. Not many. So, you know, like I said, it wasn't like the greatest all around performance, but you know, they found a way to win. They, they, both teams made a lot of defensive plays. The Aztecs just made just a little bit more. And then, but that was the difference. This is an exciting game. Like, there's a lot going on. It's like, oh, yeah, defense. Like, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a overall, like, a bad offense. Like, well, let me put it the right way. Like, it wasn't because teams weren't doing well, playing well. Yeah, this is obviously a defensive game, but there were plays that were made. It wasn't all mistakes because only 14 to 10, only limited third down conversions, 4 14, 5 14. Yeah. A lot of turnovers, but it wasn't, like a sloppy game or whatever. It was just a, a good defensive game and, and the offenses were just good. They're good showings. They're interesting showings, but nothing like amazing. But overall, like the low scoring game was because defense made plays and it happened. So I, this yeah, is a I mean, quite, oddly, quite oddly game. enough, it's, it was maybe the one defensive breakdown that they, that UNLV had in this game. The, you know, the wide open touchdown throw to Mark Redmond that yeah, put that the SX up 14 to nothing in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and I'm you glad they came back too. like that. Yeah, and and they were able to rally, but you, but it's just one of those things where you wonder if that had gone differently. So this all like the last few UNLV, this is what their fifth in a row is that or fourth in a row? Uh, fourth in a row, yeah. Not great for them, but also Bromfield being out shows how valuable he is in this team. But also basically eliminates UNLV from conference contention. At not to go, I tried to go too deep into it. But I started going. I'm like, crap. There's too much football left to figure out what's going on. They kind of left yeah. it part way through. Like there could be a three way tie. Kind of noted, but I didn't go through all the breakdowns because it's too too intricate, and I don't want to break my brain doing it because that's weird. But as of right now, like Aztecs technically, um, let's see. They're still only. I assume FPI updated today, but two, it's, they're only giving them a two percent chance to win. Now they're sitting at five and four. So it's a current record. Yeah, they still have they because... still have a head to head matchup with San Jose State left, who is ahead of them in the standings. Yeah. But having lost the head to head Fresno already, they they need help if they're going to defend the West Division title. Yeah, if it's a three a three way tie is helpful because if they all beat each other, but I think Fresno's up ahead on that because they're seventy two percent. But the Rebels are sitting at still sixty five percent chance to win the bowl game or get to a bowl game, which would be awesome. So that would be good to see. So, all right, next game, what do we got here? The, uh, uh, let's go to let's go to San Jose, the Mountain West Network game where 
I chuckled where I shouldn't have chuckled when you see Clay Millen running back to the guy that I realized he's struggling getting up. I apologize for my chuckle. Not many people knew about, but I felt bad about that. Even though it looked humorous until you, re- it's like one of those things. Oh crap. He's hurt. Is he okay? Can we laugh? Can we chuckle? It looked bad. They lose 28, 16. Do we, so for San Jose state, is their offense to me, it seems their offense isn't, it's clearly not as good as it used to be. Because I'd assume they could have, they should have put up more points against this against this Rams offense defense. They scored, they just scored late because it's only fourteen to ten going into the fourth quarter. This was the Rams a game, have gotten the Rams have gotten better. Yeah, true. More Avery Morrow had a huge game, one twenty four in a TD, even though half his yards came on one play. But it kind of changed when they had to change quarterbacks, right? For when Jackson Stride had to come in. Yeah, I mean, but if you're talking about, you know, San Jose State's offense not being able to fire on all cylinders, I do think that you have to give credit to the Rams defense, which, you know, Mahavan Kamara, who we've sort of talked up here and there as a, as a defensive player of the year candidate, you know, he stepped up big time in this game. You know, he had a forced fumble, two and a half TFLs, two sacks, team high, seven tackles. Like that'll get the job done. Iden Hector with a, with a heads up interception early in the game. You know, he's continued his strong play since being elevated to the starting lineup. Uh, Chigozi Anusiem had three pass breakups. CJ Onyechi hit Chibon Cordero a few times. So they got it done up front. Like, you know, the numbers weren't overwhelming, but they made enough plays to frustrate the Spartans in this game. You know, where, where you realize after everything was said and done that, you know, the Rams ended up outgaining them on a per play basis by by over a full yard per play. And well, by also, over hundred yards of total offense. You know, they they had a slightly better third down conversion percentage. You know, they're only three San Jose State was only three of eleven in this game. But you know, one thing that we've talked about seemingly every recap, red zone performance is everything in this league this year. Yeah. A couple things like there are issues here, not issues, but just didn't go well. They opt, which I like the aggressive is going for it down 21 10 in the fourth quarter. It could mm-hmm. get in for the one yard line. And then when the play I mentioned where Millen got knocked out by his own player to leave, you bring in um, Jackson Stratton on that fourth and long. It's like, all right, dude, you got to go in and chuck it, see what happens. Tory Horton uh, wasn't great, didn't quite get it, could have come down with it. And so it's like two point or the two point try is like, or sorry, you got the pass, but no, sorry, I was reading wrong. The pass interference are looking at because it kind of a little uh, mm-hmm. touch and go down there. So I was reading, I, was, I don't remember the play. I was reading, I misread it, but he got the TD, which is amazing for Stratton. Like, okay, dude, go do your thing. It's like, oh crap, do I get at least sixty seconds to throw four passes to warm up on the sideline? But that they try, like, what if they kick the field goal and then they get that touchdown later? It's like, well, maybe could have been a bit different. But I do like we know Jay Novell, he likes to do this type, those type of things. It's like, all right, no field goal. We're down eleven points. We want, we want to score. We're doing well enough defensively. We're, we're doing reasonably good enough. But there's just a couple of things where you get quarterback gets injured. They don't get the fourth, fourth and goal. You can't get, can't give me one freaking yard. We have Av Morrow back there. How do you not get that one yard, man? It's like that needs to be, that has to be done. Red zone issues as well was obviously a big thing as well. Four trips, yeah. four trips, three, three, three points, three points. Not good. Two and, red zone turnovers. Oh, I forgot about those two. Yeah. So, uh, not, well, and not only that, but you know, they, one thing, and I know we've talked about this here and there throughout the season, but the Rams cannot get out of their own way, man. Penalties, like the worst in the country. I think. Penalties. Or no, it's red zone, penalties in this game for over 100 yards. And a lot, I mean, it, 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 it adds up, especially when you consider that, you know, in terms of like the big plays that they had, like this was a team that I, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time believing this is the case, but Colorado State apparently had 18 big plays in this game. Excuse me. I'm trying to corrob- I'm trying to corroborate this <laughs> because I didn't realize it was that all or nothing. How many plays did they run in this game? They ran 70 um, plays. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do some back of the napkin math right now. So they ran 70 plays. Altogether, they're credited for 18 big plays. What's a big play? Totaling, 15? Uh, yeah, on, on the ground, according so this is according to Stat Broadcast, so it counts any any run of 10 or more yards 
and he passed of over 15 yards. So they had 18 plays totaling 440 yards. They outgained San Jose State by 115 yards, I think. Colorado State had 469 yards of total offense in this game. Yeah. It was literally all or nothing. <laughs> well, look at the moral <laughs> run play, the 50-something yard touchdown run he had. And they can't hold get on, one I'm, yard? I'm trying to do – okay, so hold on. 460 – four, so I'm, I'm just trying to do some – so 440 divided by 469. 93% of their ah! offense came on about 20% <laughs> of their plays. Two plays were 50 – they had a pass play 42-41 and a run play 56. And one yeah. of those was and, and, a stride. Go throw the ball day by first play. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because there was there was one drive in particular in the second quarter, and I think it was when they they had to. I think they settled for a field goal on that drive, but they they come out and and Clay Millen they give him time to throw, and and that drive right there was really reminiscent of that third quarter that Colorado State had against Middle Tennessee State back in September. Because he made like three throws in in the span of like five plays, where you were like, could, could another quarterback in the conference right now make those throws? <laughs> maybe maybe Jake Hayner. <laughs> because I was like, I was like, wow, you know, he had a third down completion, twenty six yards on third and twenty four to Tanner Arkin. Then, you know, later on the drive, you know, it was, you know, third and 10, 41 yards to Justin Ross Simmons, you know, 22 yards to Torrey Horton. And then yeah, I think it was the first down throw to Ross Simmons. It was like right over his head. Couldn't come quite down with it, but it was, it was just like, it was the kind of drive that made you realize, okay, this is why Clay Millen could be special. Totally good. And then what do you think about the end of the first half where the clock ran off, the face mask, all that, that shenanigans going on? I can understand why Norvell would be heated about that. I can tell you that when much. They, yeah, when they run the clock, trying to read exactly what it was from it to Colorado, and they mentioned replay shows the clock was run before the next snap, which came twenty seconds came with twenty two seconds left because the penalty was called at thirty seven, and it was a uh, I don't know if it was a pass or a run play. To, if it was a pass play and complete or out of bounds, the clock would stop. But if it's not, you run the clock like the official comes up and winds the hand if it's uh, the penalty, or at least when the play clock goes. Um, but the clock ran out before Shasu could stamp the ball after that next play. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, Norville declined to say much about the sequence, which coaches do, don't want to get fined and whatnot. But he thought, other than he thought the Rams were prevented from spiking the ball. So he felt, I guess, is kind of a fumbling. Cause I, I didn't watch this exactly, um, of what happened, but he felt there's enough time to get one more playoff, I guess. Um, no, they did ask the caller to ask the comment about most officials, but no response back yet at the moment. He notes Kevin Lytle. It doesn't likely cost him the game, but it wouldn't. But it's still kind of a – it could change things going on if they were to get – because we look at where they're at leading the half. I'm trying to get the exact uh, play chart here. Because they were down – no, they're up, sorry, 10-7 to 7 at the half. And that last drive, if my math is correct here, pulling up, they were – freaking ESPN drive chart. Never mind. I can't get to it now. It's going to annoy the crap out of me. Um, end half. Here we go. Sorry. End half. So they were – at the eight yard line, they could have at least got a field goal. So, because they call the false start penalty too, and the clock runs and all that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. there was a long wind to say there, maybe three points, but may not have made a difference. It just sucks where you have that confusion. Spartans come back, score a touchdown in the opening drive to tie the game, and then you throw an interception and you don't get anything going for late in the game when they're down by five. So, which by Tough the way, break. that was a heads up play by Nehemiah Shelton. Which one? I don't think I don't think Millen ever saw him on that interception. Oh, probably not. No. Oh, that one. No, definitely not. So like, oh, I'm gonna make a play here and do boom, mine. But Rams are getting a bit better, I would say. And again, for the Spartan side, Cordier wasn't all that great. Twenty-seven to forty-two running game again was not there. Kyrie Robinson had a couple of scores, but again, half his yards came on one play. If they're going to get to the title game, which we're sitting at four and one, which is a possibility because they have uh, they already have lost to Fresno, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they got 10. some. They got some catching up to do, and back to back to back road games coming up against San Diego State, which is going to be a big one for both teams. Then at Utah State on the nineteenth, will be interesting. So they need their running again. This is nothing new. I said all year they need a better performance running game if they're going to try to get back into this thing. All right, what's the final I think game? You're right. 
Fresno State, uh, that, I stopped watching yeah. at halftime. 55-13. Good job for them. Over Hawaii. Jake Hayner is good. <laughs> 24-29, 327 yards, four touchdowns. That'll play. That is why, like watching Timmy Ching leave halftime, like, I, what do you get to tell your team we were down 31 to zero and not even competitive? I mean, this this was the kind of performance that made you remember, oh, yeah, this is why Fresno State was a preseason favorite to win the West Division. They are four and one, five and four in league play. Like, everybody showed up. Jordan Mims, Moreno Cropper had a huge game. You had Pope, Jay Pope came out, and, or excuse me, Zane Pope had a huge game. Four three receivers had over sixty yards. Ramijo had a big game as well. Four again. This was just a game where probably much everything was going. Yeah, best game they played all year. Essentially, I would safe to say for Fresno State. Like defense, yeah, pressure wasn't ideal. Only two sacks, a couple TFLs. Um, Shager only had fifty percent. Like Hawaii ran the ball okay with a couple guys. Like with Hines, well, Dedrick Parson got banged up early. Yeah, and, and Tylen Hines had a nice game in relief. You know, eleven carries, seventy nine mm-hmm. yards. But I mean, it was clear too. pretty early on that you know the talent disparity that these two programs have right now was more or less on display. Like, you know, Fresno State didn't really get a lot of pressure on yeah. Shaker, but they did have seven pass breakups in this game, That's and they huge. did have nine quarterback hurries. So Shaker was under fire a lot. Which sort of goes to explain why he was only 20 or 40 with 245, 204 yards, excuse me, mm-hmm. and the one touchdown. And then, of course, you know, the one interception he threw was a pick six that was right to Cam Lockridge. Doesn't help. Who, coincidentally, former Hawaii player himself. Exactly. Yeah, Lockridge there. Yeah, there's not much to say about this game, but a great performance. And this puts, looking at to win the division, they're sitting at 72% chance, 24% win the conference. Still not sure why Boise's getting that much higher, but we'll see how that goes. They're sixty-three percent. But so first, I say, you know, there's anything else we add to the game. There's nothing I want to say more. This is just a butt kicking. Do we need yeah, to add so, I mean, if, else if about we, this matchup? Do we not need about this matchup? But I think you know time? one thing. <laughs> one thing that I think is going to be worth watching in the next couple of weeks, which maybe we can talk about it more at length during the preview podcasts in the in the next uh, you know last three weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Road games. Yep. Road games are going to be really important for everybody still left in the hunt because as of right now, at the end of week 10, and I put this out there on Twitter, or, or maybe I put it in my winners and losers column. Uh, I can't remember which, but forgive me. Check them both out. <laughs> Do you realize that nobody in the conference right now has a winning record away from home? I did not know that. And we just mentioned San Jose State playing at Utah State, at San Diego State. We have Fresno yeah. Going to uh, let's see, there were there were only I, two teams yeah. at 500, and that is Boise State and Wyoming. Interesting, UNLV, Nevada, they go to as well. Fresno, that's interesting. So, that's crazy. Yeah, that so, would be... so you know, the Bulldogs mm. have back to back road games. I think the Broncos also have back to back road games in the next couple of weeks, uh, at Nevada, at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be it's going to be, you know, big time, big boy football for, for these teams that are still left in contention. You know, yeah, like even Wyoming, who was off this week, they have, they have two road games left in their last three. They have They're to go two, two, two four yeah. Collins for the border war next week. And then they end the season, you know, home versus Boise and then at Fresno. So like they might have the toughest road of all to try and, you know, steal yeah. the mountain vision. Well, if they win, they're in essentially. That's all it takes. They went out there in them and Boise State. Yeah, but if they went out with that schedule, easier said than done, at least on paper. Be, they got CAC next week. I don't think that's a problem. But the final two, Boise, Fresno, oof, we'll see. Crazy. But it's it's going to be really fascinating to watch, I think, how especially how those teams perform on the road. November football, things happen. It's what we need to see. Exactly. All right, so that, wrap, that wraps up Week 10 Recap. MWR.com, we have all of our stuff coming up. We'll have some previews, recaps, bowl stuff coming out, all those fun things. Read match winners and losers. It's great. To see who had an awesome weekend. Uh, not an awesome week, so not the best. Uh, also, is it nice to see different teams maybe competing for near six in playoff games? Is that nice to see instead of random, or not random, but the normalist we've seen? Like Clemson get their butt kicked is awesome because they suck this year, in my opinion. Is that very good? So you would be correct different. about that. I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody was all hyped about Tennessee and Georgia. And then once it was a foregone conclusion, I wonder how many of those people just des- decided to watch UNLV and San Diego State slug it out instead. They should have. I kind of hope they did. It wasn't that close. I was watching. I'm like, I think Tennessee could do something, but 
I think it was RJ Young of Fox Sports. He put something about a pretty good thing on Twitter, like because Tennessee's offense is amazing, really good. A movable off object versus like resist. Where that quote is? What is it? Um, shoot. Um, immo- oh, the irresistible it? force of the immovable object. Something like that. He goes, yeah. Then the Ferrari gets ripped in half against the rock or something. The boulder in the middle of the road or something. There you go. He gets shredded. Something like that. Where it's like, yeah, offense crazy, crazy good. Going, going, going. Defense Georgia. Uh, you get stuck. You get shredded. But it is good to see different teams. Like even Tulane for the group of five, that's a putt potentially could be in there. That'd be nice to see those type of games. But it's fun to see. And even the Mountain West, if you you have um, Wyoming's going to be back potentially. You have San Jose State could be back. So it's a little bit different than the same old teams, even though we have like Boise at the top and Fresno who we thought. But it's good to see a few more teams. And the way these results, like outside of the one game, the blowouts, like the Rams, you're right. They're getting better. Rebels with Brumfield are more fun to watch. So we got even like New Mexico, if they can find a freaking offense, they'd be more interesting to watch, even though they can be pesky here and there. They see games to be like 14 to 14. That's what they need, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. But, but all right, we'll be back later this week to talk week 11. Well, there'll be more kind of maybe a couple more scenarios since it's a little bit more clear with these games going on with who beat who. But yeah, check us out next time. And again, subscribe and head to mwr.com for more awesomeness that we, uh, I think it's awesome, Matt. We do a good job. So we'll see you then.